ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio Afternoons on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Teron Davenport. You can tweet to us at AmberW790, at TDavenport underscore NFL, or you can join the conversation on the call-in line, 1-888-SAY-ESPN. That is 888-729-3776. So a ton to unpack on today's show, Teron. We have Russell Wilson taking a page out of Kyler Murray's playbook. And by playbook, I mean his Instagram playbook. James Harden, he's going to be making his 76ers debut finally. Is that going to look better in Philadelphia than it did in Brooklyn? And what team is being overlooked in the East in the association? But first, of course, it wouldn't be another day at ESPN Radio if we didn't start with the Aaron Rodgers watch. So that is exactly where we will start today's show. It is time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And Tron, the latest there is according to our Diana Rossini. First, Aaron Rodgers is expected to inform the Green Bay Packers of his decision soon. Then she goes on to also report that Rodgers wants a bag. And we will get into that in just a second. But I smiled when I heard the first portion of her report. And obviously, Diana Rossini is a is an unbelievably a good reporter. And so, of course, this is coming from, you know, verified, bona fide, credible NFL sources. And I have every reason to believe it's true. But I smiled when I heard this report because I thought it's another day that we're getting a report, Teron, where we're going to hear soon. He's going to inform the Packer soon. And I feel like soon has been a buzzword I've been hearing about Aaron Rodgers' future since, I don't know, last off season. It just doesn't feel soon to me anymore at this point. Where are you going, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. It's just the latest edition of As the World Turns, Aaron Rodgers. And I, I, I tell you what, it's really interesting how this thing is just continuing to play out. And, I mean, back-to-back MVP, I don't blame him for saying that he wants to be the highest-paid player in the league. I mean, why shouldn't he be? I think that's really where the focus should be, but it's just really at, at what cost and where is that going to land him? Well, so let's get into that portion of this report. That is the more impactful portion of the latest from Diana Rossini. She is reporting that he wants to be the highest played payer, uh, played, paid player in the NFL by a wide margin. Here was Diana Rossini on Thursday on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. I was told from someone who's having conversations with his agent not the highest paid player by a little, by a wide margin. He doesn't, it's, it's, he doesn't want to just be at the top by a few million. It's got to be significant. Significant would be like $50 million per year. We know Patrick Mahomes makes 45, so this would be $5 million more than him, who is currently the highest paid player in the NFL. Does Aaron Rodgers deserve Teron to be the highest paid player in the NFL no matter where it is? I think, again, being as though he's the back-to-back MVP, sure, he does deserve to be the highest-paid player. Now, do I think he's a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes? Uh, probably not. I'm not going to say probably not. No is, is really my answer to that one. But you know how this inflation thing works, right? The market continues to reset itself, and I, I think that gives Aaron Rodgers the right to, to say that he should be the best player in the league. And wherever he goes, that team will become a contender, even if he stays in Green Bay despite the, the poor showing that they had against the 49ers in that divisional round, they still are a contender. You look at what they did since Matt LaFleur has taken over, 
and they've been, you know, the top seed over and over again, and Aaron Rodgers has been at the center of that. He was certainly the best player at his position this season, right? I mean, better than Patrick Mahomes this season, even if you think ultimately Mahomes is now the better quarterback. Mm. Obviously, you mentioned the reigning MVP, a back-to-back MVP. He's still playing at that level. And so for that reason, I say, yes, he deserves to be the highest paid player because that's also where the market is. It's not necessarily that he's better than Patrick Mahomes at this moment. He is coming off of a better season than Patrick Mahomes is coming off of. But Patrick Mahomes is a much younger player obviously so arguably with a much brighter future but with Aaron Rodgers he's still clearly in his prime and even if we think that has to end here at some point sooner rather than later he's putting up the numbers that he's putting up he's getting the awards that he is getting right now and so the market right now for him is going to dictate something like 50 million dollars a year I also don't really have a problem with the market setting these things because this is just kind of like the trend generally with these quarterbacks where I think Dak got what 40 and so you know and then Mahomes is like at 45 and so is Aaron is it okay that Aaron Rodgers is kind of like five million more than Mahomes sure that makes sense back-to-back MVPs this is where he is now uh, if he's looking at a different future with a team whether that's in Green Bay getting a new contract there or whether that's moving on somewhere else if the Packers are willing to trade him away and and ultimately signing somewhere else for that same level of uh, contract so either way it's kind of like the timing of it all and where generally the market has been set. So I don't have an issue with you going after what the market dictates your worth, frankly. Yeah, without a doubt. And if you're going to look at cap numbers this year, right? Matt Ryan, $48.6 million. Kirk Cousins, $45 million. Now, if, if I'm a team that can get Aaron Rodgers, even if it is at $50 million, to me, that $50 million compared to those two cap numbers, that's a daggone bargain. So that's how you have to look at it also, just compare it to, to other other cap figures. I mean, it, it's definitely a great deal, but the big thing ultimately is where is that going to set wherever whatever team he goes to? Where is that going to set them as far as being able to stock that roster and be solid around Aaron Rodgers? Well, and that is going to have huge implications if assuming that this is true, that he wants to be the highest right. played player in the NFL. And I don't know if it's necessarily about being the highest paid, like that's some sort of accolade that he needs, or if it's just like, hey, I want 50 million and that's what I'm worth and that's what I can get right now. But with him, he's 38 years old. So although I think he's deserving of the money right now, I can also understand why teams would be concerned about handing that to him. Whereas a Patrick Mahomes, when you're handing him the 45 million a year at 20, six years old it's kind of a different calculation Mm -hmm. the other thing you have to take into effect here when you're considering a price tag that high is like you said cap space and that's definitely going to dictate the market for uh, for Aaron Rodgers at a certain extent because there's only so many teams that could afford him at that kind of price tag including by the way the Green Bay Packers we're going to get into some potential landing spots here for Aaron Rodgers in just a moment but with Aaron Rodgers I think first and foremost the conversation has to start with the Green Bay Packers okay and then we'll we'll transition on to where else maybe he could end up Mike Tannenbaum ESPN NFL's front office insider he was on sports center at noon today he discussed how Green Bay could convince Aaron Rodgers to stay I would start with his legacy and I would say hey look Aaron you play at Lambeau Field but guess what that's going to be located at Rogers Boulevard you have a meaningful impact on the history of this organization and we're going to do everything within reason and then some for you to retire and retire as an all-time great. 
The next thing, which they've already done a great job of, I bring back Tom Clements, his position coach, someone that he has a really close relationship. Once I have that foundation, then I'm going to go over the specific game plan of how we're going to keep this team at a championship level. So what are we going to do? We're going to franchise Devontae Adams. He's not going to go anywhere, Jay. He's a great receiver, somebody that they have a really good dynamic with. Then you look at someone like Zadarius Smith. He had a great first two years. He was hurt last year. We're going to restructure him, Aaron. He's going to stay. And what we're going to do is we're going to cut some of these other guys like Preston Smith and Mercedes Lewis. Maybe they'll come back at some point, but this will give us a chance to compete for another championship. That was Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. So, Tron, you heard Tannebaum mention it there. Obviously, there's the cap situation, and some of that is going to be alleviated if they tag Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. I do expect them to tag him. They either have to tag him, sign him, or he's going to walk as a free agent in a month, which that's inconceivable that they would allow that to happen. But the Packers right now are $40 million over the cap, and right. that doesn't even include the cap hit that is going to come from re-signing or tagging Devontae Adams. So I think that the move is going to end up being that you're tagging Devontae Adams, which he doesn't want to be tagged. You're probably tagging him either way. Now, if Rodgers stays, you probably get a happy Adams, even though he's been tagged and nobody wants that. If Rodgers leaves, you're going to have a very, very disgruntled Devontae Adams, and it might have to be a tag-and-trade type scenario. But the one advantage here, Teron, if Aaron Rodgers does want $50 million a year, and apparently Pat McAfee uh, had tweeted out that he had spoken to Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers denying that he wants to be the highest paid player in the NFL. But either way, we know that he's going to want to be very, very highly paid, and that's where the market is set. So assuming that you're talking about that kind of cap hit, what's interesting here is actually giving him a new contract would actually help their immediate cap hit issues because they're $40 million over the cap. It's going to be a $47 million cap hit for Rodgers this upcoming season. If you give him a new contract, you could actually restructure that and shave off something yeah. like $25 yeah. million against that hit. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the things that you can do, and that's the luxury that you have when you tweak a deal, you can stretch it out, and that will allow them to fit some of the, the things that, that Mike Tannenbaum so beautifully mapped out in order to, to keep Aaron Rodgers there. But i tell you one thing. The key to it all is Devontae Adams because if he goes, you cancel Christmas. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to want to stay if Devontae Adams moves on. And Adams has expressed interest in, in you know playing with his college quarterback in, in Derek Carr. So that's something you have to consider, and that's a good thing about the tag. If you tag him, now you have exclusive negotiating rights with him, and you could kind of bang out a deal from that perspective also. So there's a lot to, to, to have to happen. I just like the way – Mike Tannenbaum painted the picture, and, and it, it just makes me wonder just how that negotiating process goes. Like, is that really what, what happens as far as uh, just saying, uh, you know, mentioning legacy and, and some of the things that, that go beyond just the money side of things? And at the same time, you have to consider ego, right? We know Aaron Rodgers is a very egotistical person, and rightfully so. He feels that he's the best in the game. He's been one of the best in the game for quite some time, so he's going to want to be compensated and it's just going to come down to, again, as I've said over and over again, how are they going to be able to build this team around him? Because in my opinion, the whole time that Aaron Rodgers has been with the Packers, only having one Super Bowl, that's a crime. They should have more titles than just that one Super Bowl title. And I, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, yes, I want the money by all means, but I also am thinking about legacy 
And I want to get that another Super Bowl title because that is something that he's already a slam dunk Hall of Famer. But that is something that will really uh, help cement him as far as that Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. You're absolutely right. It's a crime. I don't know if things get any easier if he's facing Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in his way to get there. We will talk about potential landing spots for Aaron Rodgers in just a moment. But first, a word from Vivid Seats. With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right. Every alley-oop slam, every one-timer, and every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. They're willing, ready, and able to do whatever it takes to further entice Aaron Rodgers to remain in Green Bay. Well, I think it's too little too late. The facts are Aaron has never been better professional. Like, he looks the part. I mean, he just won his fourth MVP. What does it feel like to commit to a season that's what I want to do? And the good thing is I still feel like my body, you know, is in a good place. This is ESPN Radio Afternoons, Amber Wilson and Teron Davenport taking you up until 7 p.m. Eastern. So we've talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers, what he theoretically wants or is being reported that he wants in terms of money and what the Packers would need to do in order to talk him into staying there. But let's say he doesn't want to stay there. And perhaps there was, you know, a backroom deal when he signed, when he restructured the contract last offseason, decided to make his appearance, what, the day before training camp, I think is the drama from last offseason, when that ended. And he made good for the time being with the Packers. But let's assume that there was a conversation to be had. Hey, if you want to be traded after this season, we'll work with you. And that Aaron Rodgers is in control here somewhat of his own destiny. And, and if that is the case, a lot of people suspect, Ron, that the destination, the preferred destination would be the Denver Broncos the where I want to take this conversation because we've talked a lot over the last couple weeks here about destinations why he might want to go there I kind of want to take the conversation to what it would cost a team because now we know maybe what he wants in terms of numbers so what do these teams have to give also in terms of compensation to the Packers in order to get Aaron Rodgers on their roster. Now, a team like the Broncos, I mean, they do have a first rounder in this upcoming draft. So, I mean, that's pick. that's a given, right? I mean, that's what, a ninth? I think they have the ninth pick in this upcoming draft. Uh-huh. So that's a good one. Uh, but then that's it. I mean, they'd end up giving up future first rounders, I would imagine. I think he's commanding, you know, at least two first round picks, I would think, for an Aaron Rodgers. And then you're giving up extra draft capital as well. So, like, in 2022, I think you're giving up something like a first and a second rounder, and then maybe, you know, you'd get away with moving on to 2023 and also a first and, you know, and maybe a later pick in that. And you probably have to give up some pieces in addition to Drew Locke as well. There's a lot being made about the Broncos. I just, from the Packers perspective, I don't feel like that's the best haul they could get, honestly. I think it just might be. And what I would try to also do is, is, is get one of those young receivers as well in that deal. And I mean, look, when you're talking about a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you know, in addition to football, like I'm a hip-hop fan, and there, there's a group called M.O.P., and they have a song that again get anybody in the world hype. It's called Annie Up, and that's what any team that wants to get Aaron Rodgers is going to have to do. They're going to have to Annie Up and put together 
a, a boatload of picks, and I frankly think it's going to take three first-round picks, honestly, to, to get Aaron Rodgers because, look, the Packers, they don't want to part ways with him. So you have a team that is, is stuck in a situation where they have to begrudgingly trade a player away, and a player that, as we mentioned, is back-to-back MVP, it's going to cost a lot of money. I think the Broncos, or excuse me, a lot of compensation, picks-wise, and, and money, actually, since we're talking about the contract, too. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the Broncos, they are the one team, in my opinion, that has the balance of picks and ability to absorb a large contract into their salary cap because they have $39.1 million right now under the cap. And that's before they do any of those flips and, and tumbles and things that you got to do as far as the salary cap gymnastics are concerned. So they could absolutely fit Aaron Rodgers. And then you have – Nathaniel Hackett, who was his former QB coach. The the match is there, but I will say there are a couple other teams as well. There are a couple other teams. I thought you brought up a good point when you talked about throwing a receiver into that deal. I mean, if you threw like a Jerry Judy into that deal, I think it looks like a much sweeter deal all of a sudden. From the Aaron Rodgers perspective, I don't honestly know why you want to go uh, up against Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes every single year and, and on your way to a Super Bowl. But I know a lot of people think that he's not so concerned about that. You just got rid of going up against Tom Brady to get there. I, I feel like that that might not be your best decision, but I've always thought that Aaron Rodgers' best chance at winning a Super Bowl, another Super Bowl would be to stay with the Packers. Now you mentioned some other destinations. There are some other teams, the Tennessee Titans. Let's talk about your team, Teron, because for those of you who don't know, Teron Davenport, of course, covers the Titans for ESPN and amongst their NFL nation coverage. And the Tennessee Titans to me are an interesting portion of this conversation because first of all, Tannehill makes a bag. And so that already you'd be getting rid of that in order to bring in Rogers. So although they're over the, I believe they're over the cap five as well. And so, the, yeah. right. So they're 5 million over. So they're going to have an issue doing this as well, but at least a portion of that Rogers contract you'd be able to make room for because you're getting rid of the Tannehill contract. Right. Obviously that is a team that I think most of us believe if they have the right piece in place at quarterback, apparently even if they don't, because I'm one who watched Tannehill play for seven years in Miami. And I think he's a fine, you know, game manager kind of quarterback, but he ain't Aaron Rodgers. So apparently even with that in place, they can make it to a championship game. But I think that many of us believe that if they had an Aaron Rodgers in place that now you're talking about easily a Super Bowl contending team. Oh, it's a whole different ball game with Aaron Rodgers in place. That's, Absolutely the truth. And and you mentioned the bag for Ryan Tannehill, $38.6 million. That's what he counts towards the cap this year. And obviously the Titans are in a situation where they kind of are stuck somewhat. They have to look towards the future as far as the quarterback is concerned. But I tell you what, that outlook gets a lot better with Aaron Rodgers there. And it just so happens that he purchased land in Franklin, Tennessee, which is just outside of Nashville. So you have that whole intrigue. But I, I heard did a thing or two to, about that recently. Yeah, I did reach out to a few sources, uh, a team sources for the Titans, and they told me that at the moment that like, they said that's not an option right now. So right now. But if that becomes placed on their table, I don't care how much John Robinson or Mike Vrabel, I don't care how much they've said that Ryan Tannehill is their guy and that's who they want to move forward with. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers. We're talking about back-to-back MVP. We're talking about – a, a slam dunk top three quarterback in the NFL. That changes every single thing. And guess what else is now on the table for the Titans? The possibility of having a new stadium. 
what better way to push that momentum for that than to have Aaron Rodgers leading your team to a, a Super Bowl title? That sets everything up for them in the future. Obviously, it's going to take a lot of picks. It's going to take releasing some guys. But you could do that with an Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is one of those few guys that will take and elevate the play of everyone else on the roster, even on the defense. So I think that's something else you have to factor in. The reality is that most teams, if they have the opportunity, are going to be interested in having these conversations. I mean, short of, you know, having Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert on your roster. I mean, most of the teams in the NFL are going to be picking up the phone and at least entertaining a conversation. Now, if he wants 50 million a year and the Packers want three first round picks, there's going to be very few teams that can actually get it done and make it happen. But that doesn't mean that there's not going to be a huge market of teams scrambling to try to make it happen even for a quarterback who's currently 37 years old coming up James Harden is set to debut with the 76ers tonight so what is the biggest concern for the Harden and Bede duo in Philly that is next this is ESPN radio afternoons ESPN radio now you get to trade a disgruntled player for a disgruntled player I think that the Philadelphia 76ers made an incredible move I think this move puts them head and shoulders above everybody else in the East. I've seen Brooklyn as the clear winner in this deal. There's a lot of buzz that Nets have won this trade and this and that. It's a cool lineup, but, like, one guy can't play home games yet. One guy hasn't played in how many months? We have been waiting to see this version of the Philadelphia 76ers, and the wait is finally over. This is ESPN Radio Afternoons. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so that you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. So tonight offers our very first glimpse at the Harden and B dynamic when the Sixers go on the road to face the Timberwolves it is an 8 p.m. tip-off tonight. It will be the first of a 24-game sprint to the regular season finish for the third-place 76ers and our opportunity, obviously, to see their new all-star duo who has to figure things out right away, Teron, in order for them to win their first NBA title in Philadelphia since 1983. Now, with James Harden, I do feel like that there's going to be a lot of pressure on him because we also think that this is where he's wanted to end up since actually he was in Houston. We know he forced his way there. He forced this trade. That's something that has become protocol for James Harden. And so now he finally arrives in the destination that he wanted to be in. And he arrives in the destination next to the dude who was playing at an MVP caliber level. And Joel Embiid was playing last season at an MVP caliber level. He only, you know, just barely lost it to Jokic. This season, both those two two dudes, I think, are fighting it out again in terms of the MVP race. But whether you think it's Jokic who deserves it right now or Joel Embiid, either way, he's right there. Those guys are neck and neck. And my only concern with the unveiling of this duo, Tehran, is that somehow the presence of James Harden, as great as James Harden is, is going to like take a little something away from Joel Embiid, and that's my concern here. You know what? I, I get that concern. It's a legitimate concern. And by the way, Embiid is the MVP. Don't play with me. He, he should be the MVP. I mean, Jokic, that's look, a, that's you know, his numbers are actually better so far this season, <laughs> but I, I digress. Embiid's been amazing as well. <laughs> no, that's a different conversation. But I feel what you're saying just as far as like some of that shine 
and, and that responsibility to score so much is going to be taken off of B. But I think that's actually a luxury. And I, I think when you look at how this team is structured, before it was uh, Tobias Harris who was a guy that was considered to be, you know, uh, a primary scorer on the team. Now he falls back into more of a support role. The, the biggest concern for me, though, with that tandem, honestly, is just from a defensive perspective. And it's going to require Embiid to be a lot more of a rim protector because we know that Harden is not exactly the, the most uh, junkyard dog type of defender. So there's going to be you know, a little more penetrating and those type of things you know, by the opposing guards. So that's something they're going to have to figure out. But I think when you look at uh, Harden and that, that 10 that 10.2 assist stat that he has per game, I think that's something that will continue to, to thrive. And when you look at that that pick and roll and those things that they could do, I, I look forward to seeing that with Embiid and, and Harden, honestly. Oh, we're all looking forward to seeing, I yeah. think, all of this. And in part because we don't exactly know what it's going to look like. Right. But – you're right. Typically, it's it's kind of funny that I'm talking about, hey, we're bringing in a guy who was on the NBA 75 team whose credentials speak for himself. Even mm-hmm. I mean, you could have your criticism of James Harden because of the way his career has gone, because now we've seen multiple trades in his career and, and, and given, uh, you know, by force those trades. But we don't normally see a player traded and traded and traded during his prime. That's very strange, particularly when we're talking about a dude who most people have considered the majority of his career top 10 player in the the NBA. We'll see if he actually lost a step in Brooklyn or if maybe he was milking the hammy a little bit and, you know, putting on the fat suit again, a little bit hamming it up (laughs) to make his way down to Philadelphia. You can definitely heap some criticism on him in terms of how he's conducted himself uh, during his NBA career, but you can't really so much as a player. So it's funny that we're talking about bringing in a player of that caliber and I have my concerns. And the reason I have my concerns though is because Joel Embiid and given I am like so high on Embiid this season but Joel Embiid is is such a selfless player he can be that guy even though we're seeing him do it all right now for Philadelphia because he has to do it all like you mentioned right now for Philadelphia he is a player in the past as dominant as he can be he can also be a selfless star when you know it comes to other key scores on the floor and I just want him to not be so so selfless where he kind of fades and he becomes the number two and Harden becomes the number one and I think that's easy a problem that we could see because, of course, Harden, his affinity for iso ball, the 76ers yeah. want more of a team approach, and that's not necessarily what James Harden's always been known for. Yeah, I just think when you have a big man like Embiid, it's a lot easier and, and, and more likely for him to dominate the, the team. And you're right, Harden does call for a lot of iso ball, but the thing is when he's able to penetrate, and draw the, the defender, and he could dish, that will lead to some easy buckets for Embiid and, and a lot of necks being dunked on. So that's something that I look forward to watching. And I, I just think when you pair these two together, and you could even go back to when Jimmy Butler was, was with the Sixers. I think that was when they were their best. Just so happened to be, you know, Kawhi Leonard and, and those guys just, you know, really did the, did the thing, uh, 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 the Raptors that year. So I, I think that's something that, Embiid wouldn't have a problem taking a step back, but still being the primary scoring option. And I think he will continue to be that with him. I, I Harden, in my opinion, is going to enhance this team and make them uh, more potent. They have to hit the ground running, but once they do hit that groove and they're able to put things together, I think they're going to be uh, one of the teams to beat. 
Yeah, you mentioned how he's dominant as a big guy, Embiid. And he is. I mean, he can play like a traditional center, but that dude can also play like a guard. Like, he is practically a three-level scorer. And that versatility is what makes him so unbelievable. I just hope that he's not so versatile, though, where he forgets that he should still be the number one on that team. Joel Embiid, at his press conference, he was asked about teaming up now with James Harden. You see all the stories that are out there and all that stuff, and obviously, you know, we all see it. I mean, it's, it's completely different than, you know, what you see out there. He's a great person, uh, great personality, always smiling, you know, fun to be around, everything really. Uh, you know, his presence on the team and on the floor, you know, has really changed uh, a lot. Uh, since he got here Uh, so I'm just excited for that to continue on the court and I think he's gonna help us a lot it's weird how his presence changes when he shows up in a new environment just so rapidly and he loses like 40 pounds on the flight on the way there it's really odd how that works (laughs) well we will see Joel Embiid said that it's totally different and that than what we've been hearing and what maybe we've seen in the past we're all going to get an opportunity to see it tonight when the 76ers take on the Minnesota Timberwolves that is an 8 p.m. tip-off coming up next Major League Baseball vows to cancel regular season games if a deal is not reached by Monday that is next this is ESPN Radio Afternoons. ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio Afternoons. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Teron Davenport. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at T Davenport underscore NFL. Major League Baseball has set a Monday deadline to reach a new deal on a collective bargaining agreement with the Players Union in order for there to be a typical 162 game season. Now, that means that MLB, of course, right now is facing, it's in the midst, really, of its first lockout since 1994, and now we are in danger of missing regular season baseball games, which means Major League Baseball players are in danger of missing a whole lot of money, Teron, and it means the owners also are in danger of missing a whole lot of money. That's what this means so far. Now, as a very like casual baseball fan, I'm very true, I guess, to my millennial generation here so to speak 162 games is way too many for me anyways so from the fan perspective now I'm sure the diehards are scoffing at that from the fan perspective I don't care if we shorten the major league baseball season but if I was playing the game I care a whole lot because in a non-salary cap sport those paychecks matter absolutely and it's since when you look at the 162 game season it's definitely long, it's drawn out, and it takes away from the relevance of, of some of the games that are, are played throughout the year. But as you mentioned, from a salary perspective, like you look at Max Scherzer, he's set to lose per game now. We're talking about per game, $232,000, almost $233,000 basically. And uh, Garrett Cole right behind him, $193,000. So that's, we're talking big money for these guys. And one of the other things, it, and that's with baseball, the way that these contracts work, because I'm a Mets fan, so naturally the Bobby Bonilla thing, the annuity that he got, you know, every July 1st, I believe it is, he gets a, mm-hmm. a million dollars. Well, Francisco Lindor has a deal like that to where he gets $5 million, I, I think, 10 years from now. And he's not only losing money per game now, but he will lose uh, It's about $26,000 per game off of his salary in, in 2032 when he gets $5 million. So it's d- definitely big money 
for all all players that you know that that have these these deals but it's kind of like an opportunity cost where they're sacrificing that for other players to have that minimum salary uh, raised and, and right now it's one of the lowest among the top sports so that's something they want to get up to about seven hundred and seventy five thousand dollars and the agents wanted at a million there's a lot of uh things to consider with that so it's it's a bit of a mess that they're trying to get get work through. yeah there's multiple moving parts here and apparently yeah. uh, they aren't much closer on some of those sticking points this is the problem with labor negotiations in any league right because you're going to have to forfeit some of your money and particularly your game checks if you really are trying to stick it to the owners mm-hmm. and take a hard and fast stance the problem with that is that the owners in all these sports are also, sure, losing very significant money. But I think most of us think it's probably a little easier to lose the money when you're a billionaire rather right. than a millionaire. And I recognize neither of those things are something that most of us can relate to. But that's the problem here with the power dynamic because, yes, for the players to lose money, the owners don't want to lose money either, but for the players to lose money and then also to lose it during their careers. And even if you're talking major league baseball, your career is still shorter than the rest of us, right? In all these other industries. I mean, presumably so it's sports. This is the real problem when we're talking about the NFL. That's why the NFL PA can only ever be so strong when you're talking about the average career in the NFL being something like three, three and a half years and how dangerous that sport is in terms of injury and then you're asking players to risk those game checks in order to take the hard stance against the owners but that's even still a problem here because realistically even if you play baseball till 40 most of us don't get to retire in our respective careers at 40 years old so you're still talking about a shortened window for you to make all of your money in your career whereas the billionaires the owners they get to make money the whole way through so it's always a different power dynamic here And Buster Olney was on the Baseball Tonight podcast, uh, from the Baseball Tonight podcast, rather, he was on Greeny, and he talked about if they do get a deal done right now, it's going to favor those owners. If a deal happens, then it's going to be a deal that the owners are going to want, and the players are going to get hurt. Um, But I I think that's the end result, because as I've told you before, you know, I compare this to a a neighborhood poker game, and on one side of the poker table, the players – they have about $100 worth of chips, and on the other side, you get the neighbor with a million dollars worth of chips. In the end, the financial might of the owners uh, probably gives them an advantage. I, I think they'll forge a deal because the alternative is so ugly and so awful that I just don't think the players will go down that road. So this is the problem with labor disputes, you know, in any of the sports. I'm not surprised that Buster Olney thinks that the owners have a distinct advantage here in terms of these negotiations. That just feels like par for the course. I'm no expert on on labor negotiations. I do know a thing or two about negotiations generally. In my experience, when you're talking, that's always a good sign. It's when no one's talking Mm -hmm. that things are real ugly. And right now they are holding those face-to-face meetings in Jupiter, Florida, negotiating the CBA. So they are sitting down face-to-face, the MLB and the MLBPA, and they are having these conversations. Is it time for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to part ways? That's next right here on ESPN Radio Afternoons.